Welcome and thank you so very much for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship, where we believe you make the difference one life at a time. For those of you that are joining us for the very first time, the aim and goal of these podcasts are to share biblical principles and precepts that we trust will assist you in life and in ministry. Well, today is part two of Life in the Middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual. It is often been said that we are spiritual beings having a human encounter. So the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 46, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. God made Adam out of the dust, the dirt of the earth, and then God breathed into him. He inspired the breath of God into his nostrils, and that's when Adam became a living soul. Our primary or foundational passage from last week's and today's podcast is in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 in the Passion Translation of the Bible that declares, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. It was Isaiah where God spoke to him in the 26th chapter in the third verse and said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me, stayed on God. So now the King James Version of Romans 8 verses 5 and 6 declares, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Their minds are always on the flesh to mind the things of the flesh. But they are af- but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The New International Version of Romans 8 and 7 is translated as the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. People walk either in the flesh or in the spirit, which leads to death or to life. It is possible for Christians to be carnally minded because Paul preaching to the church at Galatia in the fifth chapter, beginning at the 19th verse in the Passion Translation says, The cravings of the self-life, the carnal mind, are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all similar behavior. Paul goes on to say, haven't I already warned you that those who use their liberty or their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? In addition to what Paul declares in Galatians chapter 5, the carnal mind focuses on the immoral and the violent, doing what is right in their own eyes as it is recorded in Judges 17 and 6. 
which as a nation, we experienced this reality on Saturday, May 16th, with a mass shooting at a Buffalo, New York supermarket by an admittedly, this young man admittedly uh, states uh, his racist tendencies. 18-year-old Peyton Gendron killing 10 people and wounding three others. And Sunday, May 17th, the next day, a shooting at Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods, California, a, a Taiwanese church, killing, uh, killing one person and wounding five others. According to Everytown Research, a national organization that advocates for gun safety in America since 2009, there have been 273 mass shootings in the United States, resulting in 1,526 people being shot and killed and 980 people shot and wounded. The carnal mind, every town's research today is what Paul was talking to the church at Galatia about almost 2,000 years ago. The carnal mind includes hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, and Paul says, murder. This is the carnal mind. The carnal mind is consumed with acquiring power, position, prestige, money, houses, land, and recognition concerned and filled with the earthly and the worldly and not the spiritual. The voice translation of Proverbs 14 and 12 teaches us before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but the end of that road is death and destruction. What a carnal-minded person fails to see is that God is interested in building a God-centered society built and established on love and his word and not a world-centered society that's centered on what they can get or achieve. God wants men led to Christ where their minds and lives are focused upon God so that they may embrace God's plan for man, which is to have life and that more abundantly. That's what Jesus said in John 10 and 10. He came that we might have life and that more abundantly. And tragically, the void or hole in the 18-year-old Peyton Gendron's soul and the man that opened fire in the Geneva Presbyterian Church last Sunday is in the DNA of a carnal mind that has rejected the truth of God's love for all. Perhaps the most quoted passage scripture of scripture in all the Bible is John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's everybody, regardless of their ethnicity, um, their gender, their religious background. God so loved the world that he gave. And many people reject the truth of what God has given for all of mankind. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This word blessed means favor. Who has blessed us, favored us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verses six and seven further declares to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. There is nothing that 
we have ever done to make God love us. And there is nothing that we can ever do to make God not love us. God loves even the mass murderer and desires that they be saved. Paul understood the carnal mind because there was a time in his life when he was carnal minded. Acts chapter nine tells us that Paul hated Christians. We know from Acts nine and five that Paul was a persecutor of Jesus Christ himself before he was converted on the Damascus road. Paul would forever refer to himself as the chief of sinners because of these wicked days in his life, as noted in 1 Timothy 1 and 15 and 1 Corinthians 15 and 9. I read a portion of an article from the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as he, refer, as he referenced the evil that the Apostle Paul had done prior to his conversion, asking the question, why is there evil in the world at all? Or why does the devil still hold power? And then the pastor answered his own question in his article with the following. God has ordained that the devil has a long leash with God holding on to the leash because he knows that when we walk in and out of temptations and trouble, struggling with both the physical and emotional effects that they bring and the moral effects that they bring, more of God's glory will shine in the believer's life. In the seasons of life for us, in these seasons of life for us, there will be evidence of God's sustaining grace through horrific physical suffering and emotional mental trauma for all because his goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our lives. His grace being sufficient for us and his wisdom and justice will shine more brightly through the believer's life. This world of evil and terror and suffering is a world where the best display of divine love shown on the cross happens in the life of the believer and shines on the non-believer alike because he reigns on the just and the unjust. And the power of God's love rescues all that will receive him, Jesus Christ, the personification of God's love. This is Paul's testimony, who regarded himself as chief of sinners. God's purpose, therefore, was to allow Paul to become the chief of sinners and then save him and make him the apostle who would then write 13 of our New Testament books. Well, why would God do it this way? Why, why choose Paul before birth to be an apostle? Why would God allow Paul to sink into wicked and violent opposition to the church and to Christ and then save him dramatically and decisively on the Damascus Road? I submit to you that God was teaching Paul principles and precepts of life in the middle, the balance of the natural in the spiritual. Paul was a very learned man. Paul was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He lived in the, uh, he was a one percenter living in the upper class echelons of his society. Naturally, spiritually, he went to school uh, at the school of Gamaliel, the Harvard University of his day. So naturally, he was very well educated and he lived very well naturally, but spiritually, he was imbalanced. So I submit to you that Paul went through everything that he went through because God was teaching him principles and precepts of living life in the middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual because he was lacking spiritually. 
In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Bible declares the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This included the Apostle Paul, who was breathing out threats and murders against the church, against the people of God. To encourage those who think they are too sinful to have hope, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 and 16, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. After all that Paul had done, still breathing out murder and slander against God, God says to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16 in the Amplified Version, go for this man, speaking of Paul, this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the descendants of Israel. Verse 16, for I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. Paul became an example of life in the middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual. In Romans chapter 7, beginning at the 15th verse in the Living Bible, Paul writes, I don't understand myself at all. He's, a, he's being honest with himself and honest with God. He's saying, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. Verse 16, I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. Have you ever considered that there could be times when you're wrong? This is what Paul is saying. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong and my bad conscience, our conscious being aware of our thinking and my bad conscience, I'm aware of what I'm thinking, proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. Verse 17, but Paul is honest again, but I can't help myself. None of us can help ourselves. We can only look to the Lord. I will look unto the hills from where cometh my help, knowing all of my help comes from the Lord. Paul says, I can't help myself <clears throat> because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. This passage is further reference to life in the middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual. The King James Version of Romans 8 verses 5 and 6, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, obey the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, pursuing the things of the spirit is life and peace. By flesh, Paul means the entirety of our humanness, Viewed as corrupt and unredeemed, our fallen egocentric human nature birthed in Adam or our sin dominated self. By spirit in this passage, Paul means the Holy Spirit himself who not only redeems us through Christ, but also indwells the people of God where he declares further declares in Romans 8 and 14. They that are led by the Spirit, that word led is ego. They that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So it is either the ego of the Spirit or the ego of our soul. 
because when our soul is in control, this is this lines up with the things that mind the flesh or they that are after the flesh. Our soul, when our soul is in control, then the spirit of the living God is not in control. So this includes our emotions, our intellect, our will, our personality, our ego. It's either the ego, our personality, our temperament, our emotions, or the ego that governs our lives, where the Holy Spirit is the one, where Jesus said in John chapter 16, how be it when he, the spirit of the truth shall come, he shall remind you of the things that I have taught you. He'll lead you, guide you into all truth. It's important that we understand that life in the middle will always include life in the middle, the balance between the natural and the spirit, life in the middle, this tension between the flesh and the spirit speaks to the irreconcilable, never-ending conflict with each other. In Romans 8, 5, and 6, Paul concentrates and focuses on the mind or mindset of those who are characterized by either life after the flesh or life being governed by the Holy Spirit. A portion of the foundation of these weekly podcasts is rooted in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, where God says to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, we got a problem because my thoughts are not your thoughts. He's talking to the prophet. He's talking to the preacher. The message is always first to the minister before we can minister the word to others. So God says to Isaiah, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This doesn't mean we don't ever think like God thinks. This doesn't mean that our ways aren't ever like God's ways. But when we understand the significance of what God is saying to us in this passage, we have to learn to think more like God thinks so that our ways can be more like God's ways. To think like God thinks, to continue to grow and learn, to think more like God thinks, creates and establishes a foundation and platform for successful life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. One method or pattern for life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual, is noted in Hebrews 11 and 3, which declares through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This scripture models for us a pattern for life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. The pattern for life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual in this text is faith, understanding, and framed by the word of God. One more time. The pattern is faith, understanding, and framed by the word of God. The entire chapter of Hebrews 11 creates new filters for our thinking when we consider what God has done and will continue to do through men and women of faith. In Hebrews 11 and 7, in the Message Bible, it teaches us faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. When Noah built the ark, he had never seen an ark. He didn't have a, an architect's plan for building an ark. 
He didn't know any boat builders, any ship builders. He had never seen an ark. When he warned the people of rain, the people had never experienced rain. Faith opened up Noah's heart to receive revelation from God of things that he had never seen or known before. You and I are living in a day and age where we had never seen the coronavirus or COVID-19. We're living in a day and age where wars and rumors of wars are happening in our generation. We're living in a day and age where violence, murder, hate crimes, and bigotry are becoming more commonplace. In our state of Texas, you don't even need a, a license any longer to get a gun. But for you and I, we have the revelation that God is still sovereign. And where the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This means as the people of God by faith, we're not backing up. We're not backing down. We're not giving in because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God still says, if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That word wicked is that which is bent and twisted on the inside of you and me. If my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal the land. There's no doubt in my mind that God can heal uh, the land of Ukraine and Russia. There's no doubt in my mind that God can heal the bigotry and racism and separatism that still exists in our nation because prayer is the key to the kingdom and faith unlocks the door. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, the Bible says, holding faith's promise, Moses abandoned Egypt and had no fear of Pharaoh's rage because he persisted in faith. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's home. Pharaoh had the power to destroy Moses with a single command. (coughs) Excuse me. By faith, Moses turned his back on his upbringing and challenged Pharaoh, which represents the way of the world. Marcus Aurelius, a Roman emperor for almost 20 years, once stated, do not act as if you had 10,000 years to throw away. Be good for something while you live, and it is in your power. Aurelius never had a cup of coffee with Jesus at Starbucks. Neither did they have lunch or dinner at Cracker Barrel. But Jesus spoke of power for the believer almost 200 years prior to Aurelius' reign as a Roman emperor. Jesus said in the Amplified Version of Luke 10 and 19, Behold, open up your eyes. I've given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability. The way that we think has power when we think like God thinks. I have given you physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. Successful navigation to life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual is faith and understanding. Understanding is that which we can stand under and is framed by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 3 tells us that faith causes us to understand or enables us to stand under. Understanding means to perceive with the mind, to know a true fact, to gain insight, insight for oversight. Faith itself gives us 
a perceptive mind, the ability to know a true fact. One of the areas in which faith gives us is a perceptive mind that gives us understanding of our heritage as believers. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 reminds us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Every living thing. God has given us dominion because we've been created in his image and in his likeness. We've been created to have dominion and not to be dominated by the world in which we live. Fear, doubt, and unbelief has no place or space in the believer's mind. When God said that he's given us power over serpents and scorpions, it includes the way that we think because the devil came to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, has God really said, which caused Eve to think differently from the way that God thought. And because Adam was not in place and functioning, they both were deceived because the devil had planted contrary thoughts in the minds of Adam and Eve. We cannot stop these negative thoughts that are planted by the devil on the battlefields of our mind. We cannot stop these negative thoughts from coming, but we can overcome them and continue to dominate and not be dominated, to dominate, to rule over the people, the pain, the pressures and problems of life that attempt to rob us of our heritage. Our heritage is further tied to Genesis 2 and 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. This was Adam's responsibility, to dress it and keep it. In 1611, when the King James Bible was translated, the word dress meant to set in order. Today, when we say that we're going to dress or get dressed, we put clothes on ourselves or to be in order when we go out. In other translations of the Bible, dress has been translated as tend or cultivate. It means to apply oneself to the care of or to manage the operations of a matter. Cultivate further means to foster the growth of or to further or encourage. God told Adam to dress it and keep it. Keep means to guard, preserve, be faithful to and maintain. God would have never given man this responsibility if he did not first give us the authority, the power to do so. Our authority is in our dominion given by him, given by the Lord, which is the heritage of the believer. To have dominion, you and I must put the ministry that God has given us and watch out over it, guard it, protect it, and preserve its beauty by his authority. It was the prophet Zechariah that had the understanding, that which he could stand under, of the word of the Lord, where God said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, it's not by economic power, it's not by political power, it's not by horsepower or electric power, it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that abides in the believer. All of this, the dominion was given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God let them know then and he lets us know now that as beautiful as the garden 
was, it would not stay that way. That's why the garden needed to be maintained, cultivated, dressed, and kept, which required a great deal of work. Ministry is never leisurely. It's going to cost us our lives. So that's why Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. There is no crucifixion without a death. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's the Christ that lives in me who loved me and gave himself for me. In order for us to maintain and cultivate, dress and keep the ministry that God has given to us, you and I are going to have to die in order that Christ can live in us and through us. Mankind was created not only to preserve uh, to preserve, control, direct, but also to work to further cultivate the beauty and glory of the Garden of Eden through work. When I think about the garden, what it represents today, the garden that I've been commanded to dress and keep begins with my family. I've been given dominion by God to dress it and keep my family, to watch over, guard, protect, and preserve the beauty of my family by his power and authority. When I think about the garden, the garden can be my workplace and my co-workers, where when I step into the room where there's chaos and confusion, I'm in that place because God has planted me there and this company, this organization, where I'm to watch over, guard, protect, and preserve the beauty of the mission of the company and organization that I belong to, making my workplace and my co-workers better for the glory of God. When I think about the garden, it includes my church, where God said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 18, he has planted the members of the church as it has pleased him. So when I think about the garden, it includes the church where I've been planted, where I'm to watch over as a porter on the door, where I'm to watch over, guard, protect, protect against wolves in sheep clothing. And what does a wolf look like? It looks like sheep because wolves come in sheep's clothing. But because God has planted me in the garden, which is my church, I'm there to watch over, guard, protect, and preserve the beauty and vision of the church where I've been planted, the church of the living God, which is the ground and the pillar of church, of, my, of the truth. Never ceasing to pray for my pastor and the members of the church where God has planted me to serve, to do so. You and I have to balance the natural and the spiritual, which is framed by the word of God. The word framed in Hebrews 11 and 3 carries the meaning of ready for use, well adapted, well placed or adjusted, mended to make perfectly joined together, prepared and restored. Peter lived the preceding definition in living color. In Luke 22, beginning at the 55th through the 66th verse, Verses We have the account of Peter denying the Lord three times just prior to Jesus' crucifixion. By faith in God, even after he denied the Lord three times, Peter's life was framed and reframed by the word of God. His life was restored, adjusted, and mended. The reality of Peter's denial of the Lord was fear. Peter was the one that still followed Jesus after his arrest, after all the others had abandoned him in the garden. Peter still followed Jesus after his arrest, 
but he kept his distance so as not to be identified with him as noted in Mark chapter 14, verse 54. There's no question that fear gripped him because fear would have gripped you and I. From the courtyard, he watched Jesus being falsely accused, beaten, and insulted, as we see in Mark chapter 14. Peter was afraid Jesus would die, and he was fearful for his own life as well. Peter was experiencing in living color life in the middle of the natural and the spiritual. Jesus already knew that Peter was going to deny him, so in the Common English Bible translation of Luke 22 and 32 prior to Peter denying the Lord, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. When you've returned, strengthen your brothers and your sisters. In the voice translation of Luke 22 and 32, Jesus says, Peter, I have prayed for you. I pray that your faith will hold firm and that you will recover from your failure and become a source of strength for your brothers. Because Peter's life had been framed by the word of God, he was well adapted, well placed and adjusted, mended and made perfectly joined together with God's will for his life, overcoming his failure of denying the Lord. And my brothers and my sisters, there will always be times in our lives where we have failed, but we can overcome our failures by being framed and reframed in the word of the God, in the word of the Lord. Peter's life was reframed as he lived life in the middle, strengthened by Jesus' prayer, by his conversion and repentance. He learned to balance the natural and the spiritual, obeying the Lord's command to strengthen your brothers and your sisters. Peter now says in the book of 1 Peter 1 and 13 in the Common English Bible, therefore, once you have your minds ready, you and I, we got to have our minds ready day by day, hour by hour for the battle that occurs in our minds. And that's why Paul said, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations. The largest nation in the world is not India, it's not China, it's our imagination. So Paul says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So Peter says, once your minds have been ready, where you and I make our minds ready for action and you are thinking clearly, Peter goes on to say, place your hope completely on the grace that is brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Because Peter, when Jesus asked his disciples the question in Matthew chapter 16, beginning at the 13th verse and following, Jesus asked all 12 of his disciples a question. Whom do men say that I am? And Peter responded, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was the only one at that time that had the revelation that God had given to him. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not given this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And so Jesus goes on to say to Peter, because of this revelation, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom where you have the power to bind and loose. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And once we have bound the enemy and we've got more power than the devil, never forget that you and I have the power to bind the devil because we have more 
power than the devil. Once we bound the devil, what are we to lose? We're to lose Galatians chapter five, the spirit, the power of love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, not weakness, meekness and temperance, which is self-control. We lose the love of God in our workplace. We lose the love of God in our families. We lose the love of God in H-E-B. We lose the love of God at the mall. We lose the love of God while we're pumping gas at the gas station because our minds are ready for action and we are thinking clearly. And we've got the grace of God that has revealed that Jesus Christ is here with us both now and forever. So the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 46, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. Our primary passage from last week in today's podcast in Romans chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 reminds us those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. By flesh, Paul means the entirety of our humanness viewed as unredeemed or our sin-dominated self. By spirit in this passage, Paul means the Holy Spirit himself who redeems us through Christ and empowers us to live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. And we can never forget that this tension between flesh and spirit is a never-ending conflict within us. Paul, the converted murderer and slanderer, and persecutor of the Lord Jesus himself provides us with a solution to this conflict concerning life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. In the preceding chapter, Romans chapter 7, verses 24 and 25 in the Passion Translation, as we move towards our close of today's podcast, Paul says, what an agonizing situation I am in. Who has the power to rescue this miserable man. He calls himself a miserable man. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? Paul goes on to say, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power. Again, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the power of the Lord himself, by his mighty power, has provided a way out for me through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And he acknowledges once again, if I'm left to myself, my sin-dominated self, the flesh will align with the law of sin. But he goes on to say, but now he makes a choice. He's not going to allow the law of sin, his self his sin-dominated self. But now my renewed mind. What's a renewed mind? A mind that's made new. Well, how often do I need my mind renewed? Every time there's a negative thought. Every time there is a circumstance or situation in my life that tries to throw the balance of the natural onto my life and move me away from the spiritual. Every time one of these events or situations occurs as Paul said, but now my renewed mind, my mind that is made new is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principle. A principle is a universal law that is true in any context, situation, environment, or organization. It's just like the law of gravity. What comes up must come down. A, fixed, a principle is a fixed law of operation 
that leaves no room for debate, discussion, or negotiation. My renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. You and I have a godly heritage created in the image of God to have dominion on the earth. Don't let the enemy rob you of your heritage. The primary principle of today's podcast, Life in the Middle, Balancing the Natural and the Spiritual, includes faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Mark eleven twenty two tells us, have faith in God. The primary principle, life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual is faith in God and understanding or that which we can stand under, which is framed by the word of God. And once you have your mind ready for action and you are thinking clearly, Learning, continuing to think more like God thinks. Place your hope, a confident, favorable expectation, completely on the grace, which is the power and equipment for ministry that is brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Well, when is Jesus revealed to me? He's revealed when I turn my face towards him. Because as his people, we obey the command of 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people that are called by my name shall, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I heal the land. There's healing in the land of America. There's heal in the land, healing in the land of Ukraine and Russia. There's healing across this globe when we turn our face to face the grace of God that's revealed to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these are all kingdom keys where we have the power to bind and to loose. Experience by renewed mind that is fixed on and submitted and committed to God's righteous principles, making us more than conquerors through him that loves you and loves me and has granted us the ability to live in this world, live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual.